Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's rolling along. Yeah, lots going on. Busy times, but it's it's all mostly bikes. I guess it's not all bikes, but that's what I usually say is it's all bikes, so it's not so bad. So yeah. How about you? You, you have a busy week coming up. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm going to speak at the Outspoken Summit, uh, which is presented by Feisty Media, which is where my newest podcast, my new podcast, uh, the Business of Fitness podcast, uh, is is being hosted. Uh, so we're actually doing the launch for the podcast on Saturday uh, during a panel discussion. So it's going to be live streamed to Feisty's YouTube and then also then uploaded as the one of the first episodes on the business of fitness. Okay, so you can follow Feisty uh, on Instagram and YouTube, over, it sounds yeah. like. And then also, I think I saw that you have a Instagram for the business of fitness podcast as well. Yep. Yeah. So you can just head over to our Instagram or my Instagram and find links to it pretty easily. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty stoked on it. It's, it's a fun one. Uh, anyone who's been listening to this podcast long enough knows that I deeply, deeply enjoy nerding out on kind of the productivity side of things. Uh, it's a big part of what I talk about with like getting, getting our workouts done is getting the rest of our life under control. So it's pretty exciting to have a podcast that gets to focus a little bit more on that, uh, with regards to people working in the fitness industry. So, okay. Very cool. And, uh, the conference, is it still open if someone wanted to randomly fly to Phoenix or are we too late by the time we've launched this? Nope, you can definitely get in, just head to outspokensummit.com to find out the details for that. It's going to be a really cool three day event. Is there so. an online component or no? No. Just, just the, you said you were doing the launch though. Yeah, so okay. you can so you, watch it. Yeah. Okay, so you can be part of a little bit. I get a taste for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, put it on your bucket list. Okay, for next very year. cool. What about on consummateathlete.com? What is new on the blog and so forth? Uh, all the gift guides are going up. That's right. It's that time of year. I've put a mark on my calendar that I'm not allowed to listen to Christmas music or watch Christmas movies until next week, but. Uh, we do have the gift guides going up for, you know, if you're making your own Christmas list or holiday list or you're trying to figure out what to get for your athletic friends, partners, etc. Uh, definitely head over there. We have some some fun stuff on there, I think. Okay, very good. Uh, I don't know if we have other notes or not. A few clients were at Iceman Cometh over the last couple of weeks and we just finished up uh, cyclocross in Ontario here. So kudos to the couple clients got, we got, the, you know, that, upgrade points is a big goal often for uh clients you know going from what i'd call sport or you know your different categories so that's super uh, and then iceman just sounded like a, a super time and yes and speaking of iceman uh so iceman cometh in michigan which seems like it's just a rad race i was saying to peter before uh, we started recording that it's one of the races i'd really like to be at so maybe next year um but yeah today's guest we have iceman cometh's winner alexi vermulen so we actually i sat down with him and interviewed him for the second time while we were in bentonville at big sugar uh, for those of you who don't know i do a little bit of work with the jukebox cycling uh collective as it as it were so um and alexi's part of that so we we got to sit down and have a chat for some jukebox content but also there was just so much gold in it that i wanted to put it out as a podcast so this is sort of part two of our podcast with alexi we had him on a few months back we had his coach on back in august uh, lucas wall that's a great episode if you want to go back and listen to that 
Um, and I've always loved talking to Alexi, not just because he also has a long, long-haired mini dachshund, just like DW, but a blonde version. What is Sir- his name? Sir Willie on Instagram. If yeah, you definitely, check him out. definitely follow him on Instagram. It's nice you can get a different perspective of the race day from Willie. Uh, his Instagram covers different things. It's true. It's actually fantastic. Yeah, highly recommend. Uh, yeah, so not only does he have a mini dachshund, I really just enjoy him because he, he's kind of raced all different. Uh, categories or styles right. of yeah. racing you know rode in in europe and then he came back here and he's doing gravel but then with the lifetime series um you know he, he had to work a bit on his mountain biking so you know he's pretty well-rounded yeah and a smart racer and a smart uh you know and I, when i say smart racer not just tactically but also he's doing a great job with you know the what do you call it networking marketing sponsors partnerships whatever you want to call it uh, he seems to be really good with that. And I think that's evident, you know, in his Instagram, it's, it's sort of fun to follow along. Mm-hmm. He also just trains really smart. And if you want to listen to a little more on that, definitely head back to the episode with Lucas Wall. And, you know, there's there's a lot of, it's really fun to watch him train with Sir Willie on his back. He has a backpack for him. We've we've also tried the backpack with the docks and it works pretty well. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's how he's so strong because it is, there's well, a weight on your back. So we actually talk about that in today's episode, okay. which I'm very excited about. Uh, but I, Lucas actually kind of referred to it as, as happiness watts, more or less. Like, is that going to make you happier to train, more excited to train if you're training with your man's best friend well, right had, behind you? It reminds me of having Christopher McDougall on and he was talking, this is the author of Born to Run, but he had... Uh, Who we're having running on. with, do you remember what that? He had a donkey. Running, running with, with Sherman, Sherman, yeah. And so we had a good conversation. This is when we had first gotten DWR, our little dog. Uh, and just that, you know, you have to you're working with someone else, right? I think anyone who's an equestrian, you know, horse riding understands that uh, where it's not just you, you have to consider, you know, how much water or are they over the, you know, they don't want to do it anymore. Uh, you know, do they want to stop and rest? Uh, it's not just you. And it is, it's a really interesting uh, pursuit. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into this. Enjoy this conversation with Alexi Vermeulen. Make sure you go back and listen to his first episode and, of course, the episode with his coach, Lucas Wall. All right, let's dive in. So with such a long season and just so many races on the calendar, especially with the Lifetime Grand Prix series, how do you sort of decide what races you're going to do? How do you fill out the calendar? Yeah, I tend to not try to overfill my calendar. Um, like, sit down with my coach beginning of the year and this takes time like learning the races right how does one race affect you like do you enjoy going to emporia or leadville or like where is your mental state after you do those races um but for the most part i try not to have back-to-back weekends i think it's just a recipe for like not seeing your significant other and not hanging with your dog and you know the things that make life go around um I would say, you know, where are the big races? What do I enjoy? What fits me well? And then I kind of try to figure out, okay, like pretty much any chance I can get home to Michigan, I'll do that. Um, and then kind of try to follow the big series that I think are interesting and fun. Like the Belgian Wolf Ride series to me is really fun. Um, I'll try to be in the standings for that next year. And then also just like, I still enjoy dabbling on the road. So, you know, like, oh, can I go race nationals? Awesome. All right, the next, next very important question. It's a long season. How do you avoid burnout? That like the first thing you just said was like, I'm not burned out. So how the hell do you not? I think you have to look at the season in like a lot of different sections and segments. Like from the beginning, I've like, I came in really undercooked to Sea Otter because I was like, it's, it's April. Guys don't know what it's like to race till end of October. Um, I've been fortunate enough, like growing up in Michigan, that Ice Man's this massive race and always happens in the first week of November. So every single year it's kind of been my last focus, you know? And like, I try even for that to be like, not feel like, Oh, last race of the season. Cause that's a, kind of a negative mental thought process. Um, 
Yeah, but I would say just segmenting it out and like knowing, okay, I'm struggling right now, like taking the time you need. Like I think three or four times this year, probably more than most people in the Grand Prix, I've been like fully off the bike, just whether it was like I wanted to go see something else or do something else, whether I was just like kind of burned out on on racing. Um, and you just, you have those times to do it, right? It doesn't always mean like not riding your bike or maybe it's like, oh, I'm not going to race. I'm just going to go to an altitude camp before Leadville and like actually enjoy being somewhere and drink beer and eat anything I want and like normal life pleasures and do it with people that aren't cyclists themselves. And so you kind of have this like, I don't know, like just a, a regular regular day job, right? You go out, you do your riding, you come home and like the rest of it you forget about, right? Like I was tiling with my friend before Leadville. Like that was my exciting moment. Like, oh my God, it, did, did we do that grout correctly? Like a normal plumber is like, oh, I can't wait to ride my bike on the weekend. And you're like, God, I can't wait to tile my shower on the weekend. Yeah, it's it's definitely weird but it's like it's how do you find those those like simple life pleasures and it's not like i don't enjoy tiling but it was a distraction from anything else going on um and i think that's the major goal for me if you want to make it through a long season it's like it can't all be bikes the entire time yeah and the importance of i guess having people who you're friends with who aren't just bikes 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 yeah for sure and also just like finding ways to, to avoid that even if they are right take those same people and go to a restaurant or you know go bowling or I don't know, whatever you decide might be fun. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the key to making this, making a season enjoyable the whole time. Yeah. Well, and Lucas talked about it with me, like the, the happiness watts for you are very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean, coaching is like the whole, I could talk forever on coaching and you and I, I think touched on it quickly, but it's so important to just have someone in your corner who believes in what you're doing and will adjust to what's best for you. Right. In the end, like, I like if we're going to be really simple, like I hire Lucas, right? Like he is there to work that that's DW, not Willie people. Unfortunately, we wanted them to have a little reunion. Um, but no, like, like I think coaching is super important. It's like my relationship with Lucas. I've been with him for like 14, 13 years. Like, and it started with like my parents just being, Hey, can you deal with this kid? Who's over excited about everything. Right. And like help him decide what sports to do on a given day. Um, but it's morphed. And I think that's like, that's the best understanding of what an athlete needs, right? Those happiness watts for me are like talking to Lucas and being like, Hey, why are we doing this? Because I kind of don't want to, or like, is there another way to do this or another workout to do? Um, and him understanding, right? We both transitioned from the road and started to learn none of it. We didn't know anything about the dirt. And the more you learn that and learn the race, you figure out how to eat and how to drink. And like, you can talk through those things with someone and it becomes like, a very elongated time trial, right? Like how specific can you be about things to still enjoy what you're doing, but then also like be prepared for it. Um, and you kind of need a you know partner in arms for that. Yeah. And I mean, Lucas and you have both said like you, your relationship has shifted over the years too. Like it's not necessarily that you still need someone prescribing the exact thing, but it helps to have someone that you're like bouncing stuff off of. And like, that's just kind of keeping an eye on things. <laughs> yeah. Keeping an eye and just like, talking through things right like if i feel like crap or like a power number isn't the same like the reality is like they're just numbers they don't matter but like having someone to talk to me like hey this is how i felt after this is that kind of what you expected yeah that makes sense or like hey does this power number feel low like should we just turn power off like there's rides where i'll text me like hey saturday night i know you're like having dinner with family but like here's what my thoughts with how today went and how i think sunday's gonna go um, and I'm just going to like, I'm probably going to ride with my computer in my pocket. Does that work? Yeah, no problem. Like, and those like the give and take, right? Like I've really enjoyed never having a coach to be like, oh, you have to do that. Cause that, that might work for a couple months, a couple weeks, maybe a year. But like over time, 
no one enjoys that. No one enjoys having their wrist slapped and like pretending like that's the best way forward because nobody knows what the best way forward is. This is science and we're still learning. Yeah. Um, and everybody's different. And so yeah, my relationship with Lucas, honestly, is probably the most valuable thing that I have. Um, and it's, it may, it will make it fun to the end of my career. Love it. Um, okay. On the more negative topic, dealing with a race that doesn't go according to plan. I mean, obviously you've had some good races this season, but everyone has like the race that isn't going the way that they want it to. How yeah. do you reconfigure that? I have a couple rules for myself, but mainly I just, I'm really honest with myself about the actual effect of something, right? Like no matter what goes wrong in your life, and I've this isn't the same for everybody, but I've always been a glass half full person. I've always been able to just see the world as like, okay, that happened. How do you move forward? Like if you wreck a car, like I wrecked my friend's car before I won Iceman. Like probably the biggest like big pressure thing, like backed it into a tree with his son's carbon bike on it. Like, you know, $3,500 in damage minimum, let alone a son didn't have a bike to race. But I've always been able to be like, okay, that's happened. That sucks. Like deal with the friend, let him know what happened. Everyone's safe. Let's go find a bike for the friend, for his kid, and then like move forward, right? And focus on what I'm there to do and have fun. Um, and I think that for me is the same with racing. Like I'll give myself, I'm like, Hey, you can by yourself, you can pout to the end of the night. Like no problem. You had a bad race, do whatever you want. Like however I feel I need to deal with it at that time, I'll do it that way. But I try to keep myself from complaining to anybody else because nobody is really going to give you the answer you want because that's not how life works. Um, and second, like, I'm just very honest about it, right? Like I don't want to talk about it till I've thought about it. And so it's something I have with Avery is like, we just, you know, obviously he sticks a camera in my face right after sometimes I say things that like probably aren't what I want publicized. And sometimes we try to leave them in, but other times you're like, that's not the real version of what happened. Like it was bad luck. That's part of the sport, part of any sport, sort of life. And like the majority of the time, I feel like I have good luck. And so I try to just like not brush it off, but like, okay, you're sad. No problem. Take it in. And then it's a new day. Yeah, and even though those are real feelings in the moment, it's not like there's nothing wrong with not wanting them memorialized. Like yeah. you could say like, oh, that's not authentic, but like the important thing there, I think, is like the authentic feeling actually is the once the blood pressure has come down and like you've had a breath and you've had your water bottle and you're like, you know, protein powder or whatever, like then you can kind of think about it and be like, okay, yeah, here's the actual way I feel. Yeah, and I think it's exacerbated in cycling because you can lose so much especially privateer cycling yeah but also like that's also the beauty of it right you have a chance almost every weekend to like okay one week went bad i feel like it's easy to be annoyed because you're in a new place and you're alone and you're not going to be home for another 24 hours but like overall you're like you're probably okay you're probably going to continue racing your bike which is a great freaking job and you know I don't know. And everybody has those bad moments and you just move through it and you figure out what's best for you in the next moment. But I, I try not to put that burden on anybody else because usually any of us are looking for an answer, which you're just not, you're not going to find. Yeah. So it sounds like you're like a next best action guy yeah. in a race. What uh, can I do to mitigate the situation here? hundred percent. Yeah. And there's always learning experience, right? Like, Oh, I probably shouldn't have run those tires with that low PSI. I probably shouldn't. I probably should have eaten more when I knew I should. Like we all make decisions that usually lead to where we end up. Um, and I think that's the most, like, that's what I love, right? I didn't, I never went to college, never went to school. And we, we, we've kind of talked about that, but I, like for a while I felt stupid because of it, but you can learn every day. And that's also cliche to say that, but you really can, right? Like whether it's in cycling or life or anything else, dealing with the hard times is way 
more educational than dealing with easy times. Like you got best friends when you win, like, Oh my God, wow, that was amazing. You must've trained so hard. But like when you lose, you're kind of, you're not alone, but no one wants to hear you sob about it. It's true. It is like crickets when you're like after fifth place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. On the, on the note of tire choices that you just kind of mentioned, uh, what have some, been some of your like best gear choices this season? And it can be anything from like the food to the helmet, to the tires, to the bike. Like what have been some like top favorites? That's hard. I mean, I think for me, it's, that's been the biggest learning experience in cycling, like racing the dirt the last couple of years is how important equipment is. Um, I think probably the biggest thing I learned is coming from the road and being very like against things was like, start, like, and this is, I guess, two years ago, but like starting with like wax chains and tubeless, like they change the face of what you can do on a bike, right? Like you're not worried about oh, pinch flatting here, pinch flatting there. And you're much less worried about, Oh, do I need to re lube? Like I remember when guys three years ago were carrying lube around in their pockets, right? Like that's a not doesn't, it's a non-starter nowadays. Um, and then, yeah. And then tires, I mean, I think it's more just me learning the tires, the company that I'm working with, right? So like working with Kenda now, now it's been three years. Like I feel like it took me a year and a half to be like, Oh, that's when I like that tire. That's when I like the other one. Um, and then being confident in it and not worrying about it, not stressing. Like at some point you have to be like, oh, I made that decision. We're done. Done now. Um, and that's like, that was, it was today. You know, it's Thursday for me. We raced on Saturday and like, I made that decision today. Tomorrow, there's no thinking about it. You just, you have the tire. Cool. And you've made your choice. And then you don't spend energy being like, oh my God, do I need to change this right now? It's just not healthy. Yeah. Uh, bottles or packs? The way racing's going, both. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I tend to, I don't really, I don't mind a pack because it's lighter than Willie is, <laughs> but, um, that's true. You're uniquely suited to packs. Yeah. No, seriously. Someone mentioned that to me the other day. Cause like someone was complaining. This was like a couple months ago before Unbound. And I was like, Oh, I don't really notice it. And I was like, Oh, I carry a 12 pounds around all the time. It's a lot lighter than two liters of water, a lot heavier than two liters of water. Um, but no, I would say I enjoy bottles more. It's having to sit on your back. It's just like it makes, especially if it's hot, like it just adds a whole other layer to it. Um, but I have no problem, and I probably I probably hydrate better when I have a pack on because it's just it's easy. Mm -hmm. um, okay, race week, we're here. How do you approach a course that you've never done before? Wait, did you do Big Sugar last year? No. Okay, so this is actually the perfect week then. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, for me, so this, this takes time and energy not everyone has, but I like to get to a race at least two days early so that... Oh, and also, are you doing any, like, pre, um, like, online research, like, mm -hmm. reading course profiles or, like, race reports or anything like that? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of give Lucas a plug there. I, <laughs> I tend to let Lucas do the, the online work, um, but no, I'll definitely look at it because I tend to make, like, plans and schedules, like, so a typical, I mean, it's a little... It's a little different this weekend without Avery, but usually I do a big ride on Thursday, like, you know, two days before the race or with one day in between. Um, and I just, I race well fatigued, so it works well, but I'm able to see, you know, a big portion of the start and a big portion of the finish and get it done all in one day. Um, and I, that usually for me is very confidence boosting. Like even if I haven't been able to see the whole course, I've seen what typically will matter. And usually if you look around in the Peloton, if you're coming into something that you haven't seen like people start to freak out a little bit like oh a lot of people rushing to the front right now i should probably pay attention um 
but yeah, and then you also you go, you know, you can search through a little bit, and okay, yeah, there's a there's a really nasty climb there. Why is that spike that hard? And just like you know, have it on your bike and pay attention. Oh, mile fifty nine, just pay attention, and like, it's not so much being stressed about it. To me, it's just like okay, like in a race like this, like I never want to leave the top fifteen ever. Like you can see everything from there. You know who's up the road. You know what's coming. You have most. You have a, the best view you can of like potholes and debris and anything else. Um, and it's just a lot less mentally tough. Like I'm willing to spend the physical energy to be there. Um, but yeah, so I, I think usually like Avery and I will go pre-ride and like we'll make a whole photo map for him, which is very helpful for me. Like, hey, where's Avery going to be? And those points where Avery's going to be are probably like, most important to think about right they're usually places i put him are like oh that race might break up there Mm -hmm. um so that kind of leads into like this mental thought process of oh if avery if i plotted that for avery last night he's probably going to be around there um and it's really good for me and then the last day before the race like friday for example is i pretty much give it to partners and sponsors and like you know go to try to do a group ride or group spin like tomorrow i'm gonna do the lifetime shakeout ride and um like that's that's majority of what i do right like the athlete part, I enjoy. I'm competitive, but it's a third of it. Yeah. Like I want, I want to go hang out and enjoy and drink coffee. Like I, I'm Molly can attest. I left the house at like 9:40 to go ride, and I set up meteor to 11:30, talking friends because that's what bike racing's fun. Like the community is the best part. Exactly. I just missed you at meteor because I was there for two hours <laughs> talking to friends too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, okay, so actually with Avery, I've been asking everybody about how they how they go about their content creation, like what their strategy is, what what they use. I guess your your main tool is Avery, but uh, yeah, how are you doing it all? And how, how much do you guys pre-plan? How do you edit and post? All that stuff. We pre-plan a lot. We pre-plan a lot. Uh, I've been trying to learn how to edit a little bit to so take something off Avery's back, but he does majority of the edit- editing. Um, like he'll send me a very, very rough draft and I'll, you know, I'll cut half of it. Like say it's 30 minutes. Okay. Hey, I probably go cut 15 minutes, right? He like leaves double, double versions of things in that I cut out. I helped do titles and, but he's doing the physical editing right now. Um, what do you guys edit in? He's his premiere. Okay. Yeah. Um, how does one find an Avery? Uh, find a friend and yeah. then move States with them. Yeah. And also is like a really good videographer. I was saying like, it used to be like you had to have a rich spouse to be a bike racer. And now you actually just need to find a videographer or photographer. hundred percent. I think that's the, well, that's the best part about working with Avery is that it's a friendship first. Um, like I could never pay Avery for the time he's worth, right? Completely. I couldn't pay him hourly and be like, oh yeah, that's what like, we'd, we'd be in half a million dollars by now for the amount of time he spent at races with me. Um, but I think that's what creates cool content, right? Too, if you wake up, and like half the races were in the same queen bed might be a little weird, but like you have this incredible, just like, Oh, Hey, yeah, that was stupid. Or Hey, that was fun. Or like you go to Europe and like, you just have a blast riding bikes together. And the content part of it just comes because you enjoy it. You enjoy telling the stories. And I think that's what I very much focused on is like, I love, I actually, I lean toward like, I love social media because to me, it's like, it's the way to tie together friendships that I can't always be in person for. Um, there can be negative connotations of it, but for the most part, social media is, in my opinion, very inspiring and motivating and like can just make time pass really quickly for some people. Um, so Avery and my goal this entire year, like we tried to like distill it down to something. It's just like, how do you show the relationships you have at races? Like the racing is the vehicle. That's where we're going. We're going to be there. But like, how do you show how fun, how much fun you have with people 
at these events, right? And that can be a fellow competitor. That can be a friend you haven't seen in a while. That can be someone who mentioned someone else is coming, or it could be the people who sponsor you, right? But like, those are the fun, interesting times that the racing just helps create. Love that. Uh, coming back to race day, uh, today's weather is perfect for like what's going to kind of be like Saturday, cold in the morning, then warming up to super hot. How do you handle the cold start, hot race? Um, I'll tend to shiver a little bit. Uh, I'm from Michigan, so I feel like there's no way I'm starting in leg warmers. There's no no point in that. Um, Jeremy Powers once told me that you can't win a race in leg warmers. I wouldn't disagree with it, although I think Keegan could prove that wrong, so I won't say it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's really like I always try to think for equipment and for dressing is like where there is going to be one. If we're going to race flat flat out from the beginning, I'll probably dress pretty freaking cold and let's Mm -hmm. deal with it right because i'm like oh we're gonna go hard quick if i think we're gonna dilly dally for a while i'll keep that rain jacket on and just like have a wind barrier um but i tend to focus on like the things you can take and not worry about carrying like an extra pair of gloves like warm hands go a long way um and i'm a big proponent of wool socks breathable like you can deal with a little bit hot feet but like a wool sock over a cotton sock is going to do a lot if you get a really cold start love that uh, are you like a warm up for the start for these like long races or just roll to the start? These kind of races, no. I mean, like if you like looked at my training peaks, Lucas and I are like, okay, yeah, roll around, make sure the bike's working, battery's not dead. But like, yeah, there's not much warm up that needs to be done, in my opinion. Yeah. Like it's just it's maybe sea otter. Let me have that like intense mountain bike start, but overall, like it's I don't know. It's it's not going to be a World Cup esque start. Yeah. What is the anatomy of your race morning? Like, walk, walk me through your Saturday schedule, for instance. Yeah, um, super simple race morning. So, like white rice and scrambled eggs. That's what usually time the go-to. Are you waking up? That's hard for me. It changes, but like, I'll probably you know seven thirty start. I'll probably want to leave here just so I'm not stressed at all. Like six thirty ish to go to the start line, um, and just be there and relax in the car if you want to. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably go by that, like, three-hour, two-and-a-half-hour rule for eating. Like, I'll probably get up around, um, you know, 4.45, 5 a.m., which is rough, but, like, that's how the racing goes. Um, and then just, like, you know, have the rice, get the rice done, and start eating. And, like, it's more that I just I don't – I want to be able to, like, continue eating all the way up to the race because it's hard to ever fuel when you're racing hard. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, 15 minutes before the line, I'll be there. Like, there's no stress in, like, getting caught behind for no reason. Um, and then for me, it's like, you know, five seconds to go, no more thoughts. Three seconds to go, take a big deep breath and make sure you clip in. And um, and then it's just those those thoughts that we've already talked about, right? It's like, okay, stay up here. Like, there's no point. Like, burn some energy to be here um, and pay attention to, like, how guys are reacting. Like, you learn really quickly. Everyone, that first start, throws a throws a card down right throws a piece of their hand down and you like people might try to throw the long bombs and they might not and that's honestly like i'm most relieved when i get you know 15 20 miles in and everything relaxes a little bit and you know hey we're racing full out or hey this is going to be a slow burn yeah um and that's the biggest yeah difference for me are you a computer during race guy yeah i think it's important like especially these races like knowing when corners are coming or how the wind is like saturday looks windy so like i don't think it's going to break the race up but pay attention like, oh, hey, we're turning into the wind, or hey, we're going to have a crosswind here. Matters a lot more on the road, but even here, like, it's nice to be able to to see just, like, distance to go and what's going on. Like, I'm not, like, 
counting calories or anything like that, but it's yeah. nice to know like how hard have I been going and when's the last time I ate, things like that. Yeah, perfect. Okay, kind of broadening it out here. Goal setting for the season. When do you do it? What does it look like? Yeah, I mean, Lucas and I start broad goals early. Like we had a talk last week about 2023 nice. um, and obviously this season isn't over. Um, but I think it gets pretty simple. Like I think usually for me it's just giving lucas an idea of what i want to really hit the next year what i enjoyed and what, what i want to do well at again um like this season was a little bit broad it was like hey i think i want to hit these races well because they fit me but the overall overarching goal is to you know to be up here in the grand prix like committed to something like let's be here and do this for this year um so yeah i'd say like you know october november we're working on the next year um January, we already have an idea of what it basically looks like. Okay, when are you going to training camp? When are you starting your race season? When are you ending your race season? Um, and then, you know, during training camp, I think there's a lot of time to like nail down details. Like, hey, okay, when do you want to try to peak? When do you want to be fast? What technical things do you have to work on? Like, do you have to work on mountain bike technique? Do you need to work on, like, are you trying to do time trials? Are you trying to do road racing? Um, and as you nail those things down, you, everything just becomes a little more comfortable. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's even important, like sponsor wise to have like a sense of what's going on next year as you're approaching people, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think people like, especially like that's what I think the Grand Prix offered is this validation and structure to the U.S. race scene. Um, there's obviously with anything in the first year, there's things that can get better. But I think it's really cool that we are six months down the road and there's still 100% a fight for the race, right? Like there's guys three points behind me and there's like it's going to be tight all the way to the finish, which is fun. Anything tight is fun. Anything that's close. Um, so I think figuring that out is, is always important and it does help to like be able to tell your sponsors, Hey, this is what I'm aiming for next year. And so they have an idea of where they should set up tents or where they can help out. Yeah. Well, and so how have you, how have you and Lucas approached the lifetime series? Cause you go from 200 miles to 40 miles, uh, very different terrains. Are you trying to adjust training heading into that? Or are you just kind of keeping it pretty steady? Yeah, I think for the most, like we talked about this a little bit on Facebook Live earlier in the year, but like I think the big goal for me was, hey, let's just find some base before Unbound. Like I'll go in a little undercooked to Sea Otter, see what happens. Like I climb well, so it, I don't think I'll get completely blown away. But even if I did, I was like, okay, if that's my throwaway race, that's my throwaway race. That sucks. But but going into Unbound, you kind of have all the endurance you need for the entire year. So make sure that I'm fitted Unbound. If you get lucky and don't flat and you're able to be in the finish that's awesome right leads you into a good good finish for the year and then like use that endurance the rest of the year so pretty much every race after unbound it's been like okay what's the next race on cool it's on a gravel bike i'm gonna ride the gravel bike until that race like from immediately after unbound i'm like okay i'm gonna ride this bike the way i want to set it up at crusher and then the training changes a little okay crusher's a big climb let's work on a little bit of threshold right minute after crusher you're like okay shit what's next you're like oh leadville okay i'm gonna go down i'm gonna ride the hardtail almost religiously no dropper anymore put the high post on right like everything you i plan on using mentally i try to set up on that bike um and for me it's been good because like you lucas changes the workouts and i change the equipment and you end up being pretty mentally prepared for that race I love it. Are you writing all of this down in like notebooks so that way next year for all of these races, you're like ready to roll? Yeah. So I take a lot of notes. Um, unfortunately, not unfortunately, uh, I used to have a physical notebook for races. A lot of it's just on training peaks now because it's much easier to look back on my phone or on anything else. Like it's pretty cool that Lucas and I have been using training peaks from like 2011. 
So oh, like you could nice. go all the way back and figure out like everything you've done, which is more just fun sometimes. Um, but yeah, so a lot of like the race series is, and it's not even like how I felt. It's more like what PSI did I run? How was the temperature? Did I start with arm warmers? Did I not? Was that a bad choice? Like um, those kind of things that can lead you in. And then also like the lead into the race, like, oh, was I happy? Did those workouts work? Did it feel good? Um, I tend to like to not feel great the days leading up to a race. It's just like, it's a mental thing. Like, um, and then, you know, from there it's like, okay, I make little notes myself just on like what I need to do or what I want to do. It's just easy mentally. Like I know what I have to do race morning, but there's still a list that I want to cross off. Yeah. And I think that helps with the goal setting then for next season. Cause you sort of know exactly what you need to work on. Yeah. Now I think this probably, this might've happened to you even like in a positive way. Um, do you ever have to reconfigure goals during the season, whether for better or worse, right? Yeah. Even during races sometimes, <laughs> Yeah. like, uh, I think that you have to go in with a plan. Otherwise you have no plan. Like you can go in and change it. It's better than going in with no plan at all. Um, but fig- like being able to adapt to change is, is the hardest part of any sport, anything in life. And so I think knowing things can change. And like, even for me, like Leadville's a great example, right? Like Leadville for the entire year, I was like telling Lucas, like I got obliterated by it the year before I was like, so stoked on ninth because it's all I had in my entire body, like everything I'd given. Like, it's just such a hard race. And I was like, this year, like, I just want to finish top five. I want to be consistent. Like, we're not peaking for it. We're just going in well, focusing on the Grand Prix. And in the middle of the race, I was in that position where you're racing for podium. You're racing for, you know, and it changes everything. But, and I was frustrated at the end that I finished fourth because during the race, my entire mindset changed to what I was racing for. But I had to remind myself at the end that like, the goal the entire year was fifth, right? You have to be happy with, in the end, even if things changed, you have to be happy with your goal and you made it. Um, and so I think, you know, as things change and things can change, whether it's injury or mechanical or anything else, it's the same thing of like, okay, what happened? Could I have changed it? No. Yes. Okay. Will I change it next year? Awesome. And just move forward. It's very easy to dwell on, but it's probably not helpful. Love it. Okay, getting into my favorite topic with you, organization. How do you keep the season straight as far as like the travel and everything goes? Do you use like one of the travel apps or spreadsheet or? <sighs> no one needs any more apps. Um, lots, lots of paper, like writing things down. Um, but no, I tend to kind of break it up into like first half, second half. So pretty much in by training camp, which is usually February for me, I'll have everything booked through Unbound, um, like flights, cars, things, things can change, right? You can always turn it in, cancel something if something changes, but like hotels, everything's booked. Um, and then the minute unbounds finished, there's like, there's not really a break, but there's enough time to kind of reset. Um, and so I start thinking about, okay, I want to rebook everything through the entire year. So I'll start booking pretty much from what's right in front of me all the way through November. Um, and it's a nice way to like stay on top of stuff. And, you know, first, first thing for me is usually flights and hotels because it's usually book up or get more expensive and the second things are like i try to stay on top of like who's coming with me um what do i need to plan like do i need to like make routes now is it gonna be easy to do then is there a course yet um and start trying to like in my mind at least put things with each race like okay that's a gravel bike race this is the set of tires i think i want to bring that's the second set of wheels i think i want to bring so like already start to like kind of set things aside um, so that when I get to the race, there's like, there's not 17 options. There's two options. Yeah. Okay. But even as like one of the top guys in the series, you're heading into this race with, without one of your people. So how did you not freak out that Avery wasn't going to be here? 
Uh, I did a little freak out, but Avery has the adventure of a lifetime going. He's get to go to the base camp of Mount Everest, which is what? awesome. Yeah. Okay. If I'd known that, I would have been yeah. okay with it. He just said it was a big opportunity. He, he did not say. He tries not to like. Avery's a very humble person. Uh, um, Avery should have pointed that out yeah. because I would have been like much more forgiving instead yeah. of just like sending him bad karma for the last like week. <laughs> so he's he's shooting Mike Posner, who wrote A Pill in Ibiza, um, climb to the base camp of Mount Everest and perform, which is incredible. Oh, um, so cool. So yeah, so it's hard not having Avery here just because that person, like if anyone watched like our YouTube video from Belton Waffle Ride San Diego that I won, like Avery took his quote unquote filming duties and like realized that I was struggling getting bottles and feeding that race and like gave me two bottles that probably changed the face of the race like changed the entire filming plan dropped the camera for the most part and just like fed bottles for the first he'd never held a bottle up right and it was so awesome um so like having that person that you know always has your back not be here is hard um but at the same time this is how i did it all of 2019 i know i can do it, it doesn't change that much um it's more just that i feel like there's part of the story that's not being told that i like to show after a race because you know success or failure the story is more interesting how you got there. Well, you have me with my crappy GoPro. You've got like a substitute dachshund. So you're like... It's, it's half working. It's like five out of ten, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, last couple questions here. What yeah. does your off-season look like? Um, Kind of whatever I want it to be. Like Lucas and I are pretty open to it. Um, this year, uh, my girlfriend and I, Sophie, are going back to where she was born and from, Australia, for all of December. So... Um, kind of finish the week, the race season, the first week of November, have a couple weeks to just kind of relax, download everything, kind of just get back online. Um, Sophie's racing till Thanksgiving. So that makes that even a little more stressful for her, but I'll go home, have Thanksgiving with the family, see everybody. Um, and then December, just go relax, probably start riding because it's warm weather and it's easy in Australia. I was going to say, how are you going to handle the like balance of like, oh, it's so nice in Australia, but also I should not be doing like massive hours yet. Yeah, I don't usually tend to mind. I think for me, like off season is more of a mental thing, like proven you can continue physically over and over and over, right? It's, it's, how, it's how tired are you mentally? Um, and so if I have the chance, right, I'll like, I enjoy, I miss playing hockey. Like I miss running and, you know, probably doing a little more gym stuff. I like being a physically fit human, which is always hard as a cyclist being that's so, so much leg oriented. And like, it's just, it's not a very, it's not conducive to being a very fit person. Um, and so I tend to just try to do things over well. Like I want to go run and I, you know, go run with Sophie or I'll go swim in the ocean or do anything. Right. Like, um, hockey was a big thing growing up. So I always go back there, but you always have to have your hockey bag to do that. Um, so yeah, I don't know, just kind of let, let the mind roll and do anything, right? Like not be planned and run out to a restaurant at 8 PM because your friends asked you to, or like any, anything else in between that, like not having a conducive athlete schedule. That's perfect. You mentioned actually restaurants and beer a couple times. What is your like eating, drinking, like in season thing, like, or around races or after races? Yeah, I've never really worried about eating. Um, there's times that I focus on a little bit more. Like I know I want to make sure I get in enough food. Um, but aside from that, like I'm pretty easy. I mean, like I'd rather eat a burger than gels during training, right? Like I'd rather ride for three hours and stop and get some fries and a burger. And like, I'm not saying it's the best thing to do for people, but if it doesn't affect my training negatively, I'd rather do that than eat gels again. Um, just because that's the easiest way to eat something during a, during a race. Um, but I, I'd say I just, I tend to be very relaxed about it. Like if I go to a training camp, I tend, tend to like, okay, like let's focus in, let's be serious right now. There's no reason to like overeat. Um, but if I want, I guess, quote unquote, what society calls it a cheat day, I tend to just give it to myself. Where does the beer come in? 
Um, kind of whenever I want. I'm definitely like most type A people, just a little bit addicted to things. Like if I start drinking, I probably will have a great night. Um, but for the most part, like I'm pretty on top of it when that happens, right? If you're up at altitude camp and you know, oh, hey, I got a two hour ride tomorrow. Like that is the line for me. Like, okay, if I drank too much, that I struggle to go ride the next day. You probably messed up. But for the majority of it, I'm just like, I tend to like the mental side of it is the most important side to me. The physical side is there. And I don't believe that one day will crush you. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. Last question. Christmas presents for cyclists. What are your go-tos? Um, I think anything they wouldn't buy themselves, right? And that doesn't have to be expensive, but people tend to shy away from things that like, oh, a nice pump or like, oh, like... You know, they tend to give themselves what they need. Like, oh, I need a new chain. I need a new cassette. But like, they're not going to get them, you know, the nice looking Pearl Zumi jacket, or they're not going to get themselves something that is actually going to be really comfortable to go ride outside in the winter or to go ride outside in the rain. Um, so I tend to like, like my dad's just getting into racing, right? And so like, that's something that I focus on is like, he's going to do 24 hours of old Pueblo with me next year on a team, which is really cool. Um, and so my thought right now is like, okay, like what is something he wouldn't buy himself? But it's nice, like Wahoo fan, right? Controllable from your phone, a little bit expensive, but like it, it beats a box fan. I don't know what to tell you, right? Like it is expensive, but if you're struggling and you just want to turn the fan up with your phone, that's a pretty dang nice feature. Um, so I think thinking of the person, what are they doing? What are they trying to accomplish? And like trying to find something they wouldn't buy themselves. It's obviously easy to say, hard to do, but that's kind of the goal for me. Love it. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 